the food production, we prior to COVID, we were already was, um, hosting a lot of families and would send home kalo. But since COVID, we shifted and tried to help a large scale, you know, of, of people. So we just adopted 150 more families. This is Hawaii Rising, a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund. I'm Kenji Cataldo. I'm Suyuno Amos. Each week, we'll be talking story with grassroots community organizers at the forefront of progressive movements for change in Hawaii. Over this series, we're featuring the 30 grantees who received community-raised funds through the Hawaii People's Fund this year. It's our biggest cohort to date, and we're so excited to share their stories with you. In today's episode, we're bringing you to Waipio Valley on Hawaii Island for an interview with Kulia Tolentino-Potter, co-founder of Pohaha Ikalani. Pohaha Ikalani is a Hawaiian nonprofit organization rooted in Waipio Valley to revitalize and advance indigenous Kanaka Maoli cultural knowledge and land stewardship of this sacred place. Without a ton of resources, Kulia and her family have been able to work on an incredible number of projects in their stewardship of Waipio Valley and have also expanded their work to care for their community since the pandemic began. We joined Kulia and Waipio last November for a workday that she hosted for students from Hawaii Pacific University. After the workday, we sat down with her and recorded this conversation. Well, this is so exciting because we're here in person with Kulia Tolentino Potter, and you can hear in the background the sounds of. Um, is that your two sons working on the wall still? That's Uncle Walter's, Uncle Walter's sons. sons. Yeah. Uncle Walter and his two sons still working on the rock wall. In we're in Kilohana right now. Awesome, yes. and it's beautiful. It was it was sunny earlier, but now the clouds came in, so it's nice and cool and beautiful. Perfect timing. Yeah, <laughs> um, Kulia, maybe you can just introduce yourself and Pohaha Ikalani and talk about how this organization came to be. Yeah, um, Aloha. My name is Kulia Tolentino Potter. Um, I was born in Honoka'a and spent a lot of time in YPO. Um, and so when I became a teacher, um, I wanted to provide additional learning opportunities beyond the classroom setting. And so I founded Pohaha Ikalani with my dad. Um, and so it's basically bringing them, my students back home to my, you know, where I was born, not born, but where I was raised and um, showing them what I learned while growing up and just teaching them how to survive um, with growing their own food, gathering, um, fishing. We did llama llama at night um, and, and just, just seeing that um, some of the students that had difficulties in, in school setting, that they thrived out here in, um, in the Aina setting. And so um, from that, from just having programs for my students, we did um, branch off to helping other schools. Um, and then it became preschoolers to 12th graders and then colleges from this island and then beyond. So. Um, today we had HPU, last week we had UH and HCC, we're um, welcoming Sam Houston soon, and so it's just continuous, um, yeah, just we, we enjoy working with a lot of different people 
My kids have a lot of Hanai aunties and uncles and grandparents. Yeah, it was cool to see the, the students here working and learning from Uncle Walter and working on the wall. Um, before we continue, could you tell us about where we are right now? Yeah. About Waipio and then specifically Kilohana? Mm -hmm. So this area is um, called Kilohana and it's above Waipio Valley. And um, so if you break up the word Kilo and Hana, it was an area that you can actually see, yeah, what was being done in Waipio from up in this area. And um, we stored here and it kind of links with all the stories that, um, that the, for the other areas that we also stored. So the Pali side of, over here is um, called Kua'ekea and it stretches from um, where Waipio Valley Lookout is and it comes along here and it connects to our lois in Waipio, the Pali side. Um, and then it becomes um, Holokuaiva, which is Kua'ekea's wife. That's her name. And so that side of the Pali. And then so we um, stored the areas that their daughter, Laukai'i, is known to have lived at on the top area of Hi'ilave and the son Hi'ilave and then the other son is Makani Keoi and so he is known to have been our um, wind god out here. A lot of different stories that um, you know is centered with the area of um, Kilohana and, and Mahiki. More people are familiar, familiar with Mahiki being um, where Hi'iaka traveled um, throughout her journey to go get Lohiao. Um, this is also known as the area where Kamehameha's warriors trained. And so we were told that the trees were growing so straight that in this location that they could um, gather their spears. And so it's neat for, to have the kids um, still walk, or all our participants still walk through the forest and, and to remind them to just like realize that they're walking in areas where most a dozen um, battles took place from the time of Umi um, and, and just knowing how much people had tend to these lands prior to the plantation and prior to the eucalyptus trees being built. So we're trying to, um, our program is Kahuli, one of our programs, and it was named after the chief, one of the chiefs in Waipio who was said to have been a giant and he would kind of turn things until it was made right. And so, as you can see, there's a lot of different things that we need to do, major labor. <laughs> yeah, major labor because it's so much space that you have to Malama here. It's incredible. I'm, I'm wonder if you could, I mean, you know, we've been talking a little bit today, but I'm still not too clear on the details of how you got to be in, um, in control of this land and like uh, well, um, it, your relationship to it also through your family, through your kupuna. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I'm still kind of trying to figure things out on how we became from teachers. Um, that was my goal in life to, to just be. I, I just thought my teaching job would be in a regular classroom, not realizing it would put me in this situation from being um, this my, you know, alternative way of teaching my students to being my my full-time foundation for, for teaching others. and. Um, we never thought we would have enough time to take care of some place like this. This was never on our to-do list. <laughs> it was like trying to restore Napopo village site. And 
just trying to make sure that we malama appear to prevent like erosion and landslides from coming down um, kind of set us in this path of taking care of this kuleana. So vetiver, when we got um, to be stewards of this place, we planted vetiver along the, um, the pali, the sides, the edges, just to um, make sure that we do whatever we can to, to protect up here, to protect below. And so we, I guess that whole thing about koho'ia, like, like not even really being able to choose, but you kind of pushed and shoved in this direction for us, it feels like. Yeah, because if you would tell me that, oh, you're going to give up teaching and then at, um, you're not going to have income <laughs> for doing this, I would think that would, be, that would be crazy, you know, like just a crazy story. But um, just realizing that if we didn't step up and, and like take care of this koleana, we would always wonder if something ever happened that would hurt people below. We would always wonder what we could have, what would have happened if we if we took care of it. Yeah, took care of the situation. And um, we're always told that lazy is you know not doing nothing, but lazy is when you know something needs to be done and you don't do it. Um, and so we're trying <laughs> yeah, to to keep up. Um, but just grateful for the amount of people that keep coming forward. We found out that um, we are searching to figure out why, how come we're doing this. I and mean, at first it was like, okay, the connection with the family members, you know, that mo'olela of ko'aikea. And then realizing that um, the name my son was given 20 years ago was, was after the, the protector up at Waiholoa by the waterfalls of Kawaikapu and, and Wainoho being the male that used to purify the water before it comes down to Hi'ilave and then realizing that my ancestors lived here. So it kind of makes me realize, okay, I guess we're here for a reason and that's why, but still, still wondering why. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Could you tell us now about your main programs? There's Napa'opo'o, Malamahi'ilave, and then Ko'ekea? Yeah, so um, the Napopo um, program was basically us trying to restore the village site. Um, so our area is still lined with the ancient rock walls, Arakuauna, around the tar patches. Um, keeps us busy. We can't bring in machines like when you look down below from here, you can see the tar patches, the banks is grass. In our area, it's rock walls, so you can't weed whack or you can't mow it. You had to hand weed it. And so we, that program basically is, is working towards restoring that village site and providing as much food to families. The Hi'ilave program is basically trying to educate people on how to respectfully take care of the area and um, teaching the stories of that place and um, just trying to clear out. We have the top area of um, Hi'ilave and just trying to remove all the invasive species up there. A lot of uh, wild ginger. Um, and then for the Kua'ekea program, it's for us it was a five-year process now. And it was removing 13 abandoned vehicles, over 50 trailer loads of trash so far, taking out invasive and um, recreating gardens with native, endemic, and beneficial plants. 
Yeah, so not, not always having to stick to natives, but realizing that beneficial plants will help prov you know, heal the soil, add nutrients to our plants. And so just teaching people that, that type of farming styles. With this um, rock wall that Uncle Walter has been working on, how did Uncle Walter get, how did you get involved with Uncle Walter and how did this like idea for this project, the wall project, yeah, come so to be? Uncle Walter is um, one of my Uncle Francis's students, um, Francis and Nancy from Hana. And so um, he is, um, a tol his mom is a Tolentino, that's my maiden name. And so um, I asked him, Uncle, can you come and help us with, you know, like restoring some of the rock walls that got damaged from the wild horses and and he he said no no I'm gonna let you you know work with Uncle Walter because he's on island and I'm really grateful to have Uncle Walter um, very olu olu and he just keeps that that I guess spirits up when it's hot and sunny and you want to give up but the students is like around him and they're, they're just eager to continue. So he has been helping us in Waipio and then now at Kilohana. So we saw on social media um, people with UTVs and ATVs, dirt bikes, because it's a long stretch, yeah? So they would do drone footage from above and showing them coming down this way. And before we had these rocks up, I was nervous if they would fly off this 1400 foot cliff. So that sparked that um, need for me to um, have this wall here, just so that they can see, oh, there's something, you know, at the end. It, uh, we had a lot of people come here and, and tell us that they felt uh, a rock wall was needed. So I took that advice when seeing those videos and asked uncle if we could shift up here for a bit. For me, um, safety always comes first. Could you talk about some of your uh your food production efforts and talk about the community gardens. Yeah, so um, the food production, we, prior to COVID, we already was um, hosting a lot of families and would send home kalo and whatever we grew um, that they could, you know, make use for home. And then we donated to community gatherings. Um, but since COVID, we shifted and tried to help a large scale, you know, of, of people. So we just adopted, 150 more families um, in addition to who we're already serving and it's basically trying to make sure that our, our boxes of produce from here because we grow it organically would be of um, health benefits especially during this time for the families and so um, we make sure we try to get mamaki or you know something that they could like keep on hand that will you know, that they could use to keep them safe during this time period. Um, a lot of kalo, a lot of taro leaf, laupele. Um, and so during that time, um, or this time I should say, is also helping other farmers, um, fishermen, hunters, and um, ranchers. And so we've been buying a lot of different, um, from different families and businesses just to try and keep them afloat. Yeah, and throughout COVID, you've been also um, delivering food, right, and produce all around the island. Yeah, we had um, people come in from like different parts and pick up from us, and then they deliver. So, for example, yesterday um, we delivered a bulk of our food from the valley when we harvested, and um, that food will be delivered to Puna and Volcano. And so we had somebody from our contact from Kohala come. 
and then we make sure that she delivers to those families. So it's, it's basically, if we know somebody and they know people in need, then we'll send it off. Because we had so much um, school groups pre-COVID help out with different gardens that we didn't want to see it wasting too. And so we wanted to help out that way. Yeah, you know, I feel like um, we've been, you know, so we've been going around and visiting some other organizations on this island. And most of the time when we mention, you know, people are like, oh, who else are you going to go see? Most of the time when we mention your name, people know who you are. And it's it's interesting like to just have that experience of how plugged in you are to the community, because it's not like everybody knows all the other organizations that we mentioned, you know, but when we say your name, they're like, oh, I know Kulia. And um, I think that's just like a really great indicator of how involved you are in the community and I guess I'm curious more about your background of like maybe even how you came to this work like is this did you just grow up doing this is this just in your family or my I know my grandfather on my dad's side he did a lot of this kind of work for the community kids and then my dad did it when I was growing up and so, it, so even when I was doing it, my family did the bulk of a, the cooking. Like we had no, my dad didn't want no grants for the first 10 years. He wanted to know that we knew what it took to make it happen, even though we didn't have anything. And so he would, even at school, oh my God, he would, when he found out that we had to go and do um, catch different fish, he would go and throw a net and make sure that he got every different fish so I could show the class, you know, like what, how this fish looks, what it was used for, how do you prepare it? It's just that kind of style of, of being brought up. And so it was just natural to keep helping. So with other nonprofits, um, a lot of them asked us to help with maybe if they wanted to give out huli, and so we'll just deliver whatever we can. Right now, our taro patches are way smaller, the amount of taro, because we gave out so much, but it's okay. I would rather not, you know, like, have as much than have our people suffer. I would rather give out, because then we're, we're seeing the cycle of who we're giving, then when they harvest, they can continue giving, because they got too much, yeah? And then that whole cycle continues. Yeah, I think when we were talking before, you were sharing about how Waipi'o, there's a mo'olelo about how it could feed the entire island. And it seems like you're really connecting to that legacy with the work that you're doing right now. Yeah, hoping to. <laughs> yeah, my, on my mom's side, my, um, my great-great-grandfather, Herman Meyer, so people are probably up at his orchard right now. Um, right now is a season where they go pick his, um, all the different fruits that he planted up there. And so it's by the cabins at Kianakolu. And so um, we're trying to mimic that down here um, at the Lord Gardens where you folks first met us this morning. So it's just, it's just trying to continue um, so that that generation and the ones after They'll, they'll have something to follow. So we can do it with just needing to depend on other areas for our food. Do you feel like that's, like, what is your dream for the future? Is it mostly about, like, being able to provide that kind of, the food to the community? Yeah, um, I think just for me, having, like, all the work that, for our place especially, like, um, 
I know that wanting to give honor to the Rockwells that is all there, like our ancestors had paved the way for us. All we got to do is clean them and, and farm. Whereas in that generation, they had to hali hali those pohakus to that area, set them. And now there's over 400 walls in our area alone. And so if we could like, I guess set another layer of that foundation so that when our future generations come, they can say, oh, that generation from that time had built it walls. Now, in this generation, we did, you know, X and X and X, Y and Z things. And then now in their turn, they're going to know that they got to leave something behind so that it's going to be a little bit more easier. <laughs> um, but then they can do more. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any changes you've seen over the past 20 or so years since you yeah. founded Pohahai Kalani? Yeah, a lot of more um, through social media. Um, we deal with a lot of trespassing and um, just that whole concept of that people want to do what they want to do. And so we can be in our, our taro patches um, 20 years ago and not have to deal with anybody trespassing. Um, and then nothing would really get stolen and now it's like sometimes you come back over a weekend and a patch is head, you know it's just gone everything um, and so it's just big difference um, with the over the years yeah but positive side is that more people got interested in helping um, so instead of just being a weekend thing for us it's a non-stop thing <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're non-stop going with different groups. And when we don't have groups, you're preparing for the next group. How many groups do you have coming through on average? Oh, God. Like, majority of the weeks is at least a minimum of four groups per week. Yeah, we, summers was sometimes three groups in a day. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a lot. And so the, and the volunteers, when they come, are they... Um, doing different things depending on what, what's needed here? Yeah, usually we ask them um, what they hope to gain from their time with us and then um, they usually kind of let us know what location they wanted to go. So, for example, the group today, um, they wanted to work lo'i one day and then they wanted to learn how to do this rock wall. Um, we give them options so they, they didn't know prior to contacting us that we were in the process of building this wall, but they asked, so what else, you know, what are locations, what are you doing? And some people contact us that they um, need to learn this hula. Their halal is going to um, dissecting this chant and they want to come visit the sites that they're talking about. And so that's the time that we explain a little bit more of the count of the names, the places, and um, the history of that, what we know of for those particular chants. And then some people want to compose, so we always have people, especially up here and at the tea house parcel, that's where they come to compose. So we tell them stories, um, place names, and that's what they plug into their, their, their songs. So they're composing songs about YPO? Yeah, yeah. That's super cool. What is the first Mo'olelo you ever learned about this place, this area? Oh, I forget. Because when we were from when we were little, we, <laughs> yeah, just so much stories. Um, I know the shark, um, the Nawe one, was probably one of the first that I can remember, and and that just kind of motivating me to want to learn more about what because there's so much different caves and the different names of the sharks that live in the caves around here. 
that just kind of had branched off into my interests. What is that mo'olelo about the shark? Can you... So there's a... right... you know where there's cascading the... that waterfall right there? That is Nanawe. Some people call it Naneve. And um, so there's a, a, a woman in this mo'olelo. Was, uh, her name was Kale. And she had... Um, was down by the beach area and Pele's brother was Kamoholi'i um, was swimming in the area and he saw her and he fell in love. And so it was during the time of Makahiki. And so he knew he couldn't come in during the daytime. Black sand, yeah, the beach area at Amaipil. So he waited to the evening until he came up on shore, turned into a man and, and had um, mingled with the people. And throughout the days he challenged, you know, with the Makahiki games. and. Of course he won because if you could imagine the king of sharks being in a man version. Yeah, and so other women loved him, and, but he had his eyes set on Calais. And so they eventually hooked up and then she got hapai, but before she gave birth he had to leave. And he warned her not to feed the child uh, meat. And when the child was born, there was a hole on its back. And so she had covered it just so people wouldn't, you know, wonder what was going on. And she noticed when he would go into the water, he would turn into a shark. And so that waterfall was where he would go and take a bath because there's pools above. He could get up to the upper ones and no one would see him below if he was bathing on the, the bottom one. And so he could take a bath, turn into his shark form. And along the... That whole, so the path along the, um, you see the cliffs over there? There's a path below that's called Ke'alo Malanai. So in that area, um, there was fish ponds. And so from Nanawe's um, side, he would swim and he could make his way down to the ocean. And so he was, when, um, when he would be farming as an adult, he would tell people where you folks are going, ask them. And they would say they would be going to the beach, and he would warn them that there was a man-eating shark. And so he felt that if they continued, he gave them fair warning. And so he would go down and eat them. And so they always suspected something was different because from baby time, he had the cape on his shoulders covering his back. And so it was it said that, um, according to this mo'olelo, that umi, which is a four-acre taro patch at the bottom of Waipio. So lo'ikoele is a term that they would use for uh, ali'i um, taro patch. And so while they were working in a taro patch of an ali'i, they would adorn themselves with lays and they would chant and they would have it. So um, was like a, a whole uniform where you had your o'o and your huli like this. And while the men in the back of him saw him um, working, he had his cape on. So they decided to yank it off and they saw the shark's mouth. And so everybody freaked out and Nanawe got angry and snapped one of the guy's arm, you know, his arms, the bones. And um, the Ali'i had ordered that everybody bound um, Nanawe and that he um, gets set to the side, and then they dig a uh, emu. And then while they were digging the emu, everybody helped, and he had turned himself into the shark. 
So the cowler, the ropes busted, and he had kind of flapped his way to the ocean, to the riverside, and then make his way down to the ocean. And then the story continues to Hana. He did the same thing, and then on Molokai, um, they had take him out over there. So they were, according to this Mo'olelo, it's, it's supposed to be a, a pu'u called Pu'umano on Molokai. That's where they had take him out um, in an emu over there. There's so much stories of sharks. It's how it was when, when I was learning, the more I learned, because the Kapulena is uh, the place name about a couple minutes away from where you guys parked. And um, there's the name of a shark, a tiger shark, Kapu Sacred. Lena, yellow, yellow-eyed shark, knew he. So he was a man-eating shark, and um, but he would protect the Hamako people. Wow, that's so interesting because I just would never have imagined like a mo'olelo about sharks coming out of here. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's interesting to hear the connection between up here to all the way to the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We have a, a place right up here. So in this location at Kilohana, we can't hear the ocean, yeah? But when you get up to the top over there, you hear the ocean as if you're right there at the beach. So the place name is called Wai, so it's fresh water. You can hear the, there's a waterfall there. Kai, the ocean. Leo, the voice. So it's pretty neat. It's just like you're standing up there, you hear the trickles, and then you can hear the, the ocean. Okay, so tell us about, uh, for anyone who's interested in volunteering or keeping up with what you're up to or, or donating or getting to know what's going on, how can they find yeah, you? Yeah, so they can look us up on Instagram under Poha Haikalani, same name for Facebook. Um, we have uh, the email address. We keep them really simple, Poha Haikalani at Gmail. Um, our website, pohahaikalani.com. Yeah, so either way, you could message us and then let us know if you're interested in participating um, let us know the location if you're interested in coming to Mahiki, Kilohana, um, Lalakea garden area or um, Naupopo in the valley or at Kua'ekea at the lookout. Awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. Yes. <laughs> Before we close could you tell us about the name Pohaha Ikalani? So Pohaha Ikalani um, so as an English teacher, I, I always used to do riddles with my students and have them write their own olelo no and, and just trying to um, try to teach them to, when they're dissecting um, chants, how to find kauna. And so pohaha, um, so it came about with the, um, the area that we started is Napo'opo, but the old um, old timers call them Napo. Because you see right over there, Ka'au, the first um, light of the day appears there. And it's um, the opposite side where we're at is the first time, um, the first darkness of the day comes. So while everybody might have light over there, we'll start getting dark first. So Napo um, took Po and then in Waipio is. Um, the hav, the taro, is um, called haha. And so, just so that you, if you would ever look at um, Napo'opo'o is po, and then Waipio is the haha part. But Pohahaikalani is actually a, a line from the Kumulipo. 
and it's um, talking about the habitual rising of the sun, talking about the lightning and thunder. And so we, we take it as the lightning and thunder coming forth uh, from the sky and we being the counterparts, just because we wanted something that was, um, you know, like instilling some kind of action because we needed a lot of work to be done, lighting that fire to, that, to continue with the work that, that the previous generation started for us. Mm. You know, I, just, I did think of one more question. Yes. Um, I'm just wondering what are, what would you say some of your biggest lessons of the past 20 years have been doing this work? Oh gosh. <laughs> biggest lessons is, um, I guess sometimes we doubt ourselves and to not give up, I guess, because sometimes when I would give up and I would try to walk away, I would just keep getting shoved back into this kuleana, like big time. Like I would try to fly away to Oahu to go party, <laughs> like on a weekend, because weekends was my time over here. And, and I would pull out Hanaho magazine and the front cover was YPO and like going to visit my friend's family and he's like your grandfather taught me how to make okole hao <laughs> you know he's like trying to like get away but can't you know like and so and every time I tried to pull out I had one more koleana so it started with just down there and then the lookout and up here and then the other part over there so it's that much times I tried to walk away <laughs> So I kind of stuck. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the biggest lesson is like realize that what your kuleana is and and try to work at it. Otherwise, they're gonna just keep slapping more kuleana on your on your tape on your I guess your I guess your plate, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's so impressive to see all of your kuleana here. Just everything that you you are all are taking on, and to see that you. Uh, there are some groups coming in to help, and I hope that there'll be more of that and that you get all of the help and support you need. Thank you. And thank you for all the work and, and for Hawaii People's Fund. Like, even last year, we, we didn't have that much funding and, and just trying to do on our own, but then just to have that, like, angels come in and say, hey, we got funding for you, and then, oh, we got some more funding for you. And I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> you know, it, it really helped uh, big time. When you want to do the work, but sometimes you don't have to be given that opportunity to, to have, it's, it's really big, big help. Mahalo. We recorded this interview back in November. When we were preparing the episode last week, Kulia let us know that Waipio Valley is currently closed to the public, so some of the sites they steward are not open to volunteers right now. Other sites are open, though, and if you would like to get involved, you can reach out on social media or send an email to pohahaikalani at gmail.com. Hawaii Rising is a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund produced by me and me with additional support from Mickey. Our theme music is Revolutionary from the band Ukla the Mock, written and sung by Mickey Hui Hui. Production of this podcast is supported by a fellowship from Princeton University. Thank you to our community donors and to you, our audience, for listening. In our next episode, we'll be speaking with Kalao Ke Kahuli. Our work is to step in and be that ohana for, for the birthing people.
You don't want to miss it.